Come on, let's say good morning to everybody. Come on, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Would you do me a favor and just remain standing? Would you remain standing for just a second? Would you remain standing just a second? I want to pray for us as we get going today. Hey, I love you. I'm glad you came. I know it's a weird weekend, the, the rain and the gloominess, and I thought maybe nobody would come and maybe nobody would worship and maybe nobody would, would be happy, but you look happy and ready to worship and, uh, and ready to meet with God. And uh, today's message, I just feel like a, a burden in my heart on, uh, for it to talk about how we can be um, a stand-up people in a sit-down culture. And the, the pressure is to kneel and bow to all the pressures of the culture around us. And yet we're going to see in Daniel chapter 3 that God chose some young people that just said, um, not obnoxiously, but, but with resolve, I'm going to stand for what God has for me, and I'm going to leave the consequences up to God. And... Uh, I want to be a part of a stand-up church. Don't you want to be a part of a stand-up church that, that wants to be uh, on the mission of God? I'd love to just pray over us today. Hold your hands out like this. So God, we're about to open your word. Your word is light. Your word is life. <laughs> Ezekiel the prophet said, your word came to me and I ate it and it was sweet to my taste. God, your word's like honey. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. Your word is a light unto our path. How can a young man keep his way pure but by living according to your word, God? Your word is a double-edged sword, able to penetrate into our hearts and transform us. All scripture breathed by you. And so God, today, as we look at your word in Daniel 3 and we see how you use some people to stand up and to live for you in the middle of a culture doing the opposite, God, we just humbly place ourselves in your hands and I pray in this community, God, that there would be, you'd find us to be people who would stand. God, we make ourselves available to you today. <laughs> we want to be people who don't follow the, the culture around us. We want to be people who stand for you and love you, Jesus, and worship you, Jesus, and live on the mission of God. And so, God, talk to us today. Would you stand in my body? Would you think with my mind? Would you speak with my lips what you would have for us to know, say, and do? that Jesus might be glorified, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's going to be sunny Friday. Come on, tell them that. You can be seated. Hey, one thing I just want to put on your radar before we dive into the message today, and that is that we have Women's Night coming up in the month of November. And I know we got a lot going on first Wednesday and groundbreaking and Fall Fest and everything. So I want to let you know, uh, we ran out of space last year at Women's Night, so we're doing two nights of Women's Night, but they're identical nights. So if you come to both of them, you'll you'll be like, oh, this seems like the same as last night, and that would be the point. And uh uh, but it's going to be really incredible, incredible speaker, incredible worship. You're going to want to be a part of that Thursday and Friday night there, right towards the beginning of November. So mark your calendars there, 9th and 10th, and uh, be a part of that. Invite every woman you know, every girl you know, just a chance to uh, to be together for um, Women's Night. We can't wait for that. And also want to let you know, to, uh, next week, uh, we are launching the chapel at Mosley Elementary School. Praise be to God. And uh, in fact, this morning, right 
right now, I watch my son getting in a car at 6.15 a.m. with my daughter to go be a part of the setup team. Come on, somebody. That's a glamorous team, isn't it? And uh, they're, they're right now unloading trailers and setting up chairs and pushing speakers in to transform an elementary school into a place of worship. And so we have a team about 150 people that were there last week helping do what we call practice services. You say, Pastor, what's a practice service? It's practice to see if we can do this. You know what I mean? And uh, and then next weekend, October 1st, it'll be a grand opening of the chapel in Mosley, Virginia. So thanks for your generosity that lets us uh, just be a part of, uh, of expanding the mission of God in this community. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you that are generous in Next and giving, that just has allowed us to launch this new campus. I, I've heard from people saying, I got family members out there. I got people that all, all of, and so I'm just believing God that there's going to be brand new people reach right there, Magnolia Green and all the neighborhoods going there. And uh, also we're praying that we won't have to sit in the lobby at 930. Okay. So that's kind of some of the secret hidden motives as well. And so, uh, all right, you ready for God's word today? Well, we're in Daniel chapter three. Last week, you remember, we uh, Daniel interpreted a dream last week, you remember, in chapter two, and he saw this statue God had, had, a, had a head of gold, and then it went down. But the Bible says King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, and it was 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. It's interesting, I'll just point this out if you go back to last week, that in the statue, that he had a dream of, only the, the head of the statue was gold, but this king was such an egomaniac, he made the, because it was a symbol of the Babylonian Empire, he said, I'm going to make the whole statue gold. And, uh, and, and so there's about 15 years have passed from chapter 2 to chapter 3, and here's the demand of the king. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, come on, don't you love a zither? I don't even know what a zither is, but I'm going to play the zither. And uh, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. Here's what the king says. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. You say, Pastor, we don't bow down and worship idols in the same way that they did in the ancient world. That's true. Maybe we don't uh, worship idols of wood and stone and gold. But how many know we are still part of a world that worships idols? And, 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 and here's what he says, Nebuchadnezzar says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. I'm, I'm going to just read the whole story for you so you can see it. But I just want to show you one thing. Throughout chapter 3, this phrase image and sound are used over and over again. Image, 10 times, the word sound, 4 times. It seems to me like one of the ways the culture sets up gods to worship isn't by saying just worship this God, it's by setting up images and sounds. And I just want you to think about it, wherever you see in our culture images and sounds that say worship this and be towards this. In fact, I think it's important that we guard our minds and guard, guard our ears and guard our, the songs we listen to. Uh, uh, how many know some of the songs you, have you ever been listening to a song with somebody that you used to know? You used to sing this song 10 years ago and somebody's with you and as you're singing the lyrics you think, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm singing this. Anybody? No, 8 a.m., I know you're the righteous Mm -mm. that's the 930 you know 
image and sound it's a, and, and it's used by the culture to get us to chase after things and so what happened was at this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews and the Daniel is not in this chapter he is a governor of the king probably out on a business trip but his three friends Shadrach Meshach and Abednego when I was a kid I thought it was Shadrach Meshach and a billy goat come on somebody but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they're there, and they said to Nebuchadnezzar, here's what they say, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever, your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, and the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever doesn't fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you set up. Aren't you glad for people that don't just go with the flow, right? And so I want you to see Nebuchadnezzar. He's mad. He's a king, furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and the zither, yeah, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do, he's given them a second chance. <laughs> but if you do not, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Ooh, it's going to get good, I promise. I want you to see their answer. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Let me just say this. If because of our own faithfulness to God, we end up in a furnace, how many know we will not be walking in that furnace alone? They said, if it's, for, if, it's, if it's because of the God we serve, he's going to be able to deliver us, and he's going to deliver us. But look at this kind of faith. But even if he doesn't, <laughs> Like, he's going to deliver us, king, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them. His attitude towards them changed. Look how interesting this is. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times. How hot does a fire have to be to kill someone? So this is the king kind of out of his mind, right? It's already hot. He's like, no, I want it extra hot. Turn it up seven times hotter than usual. He, he sends some of the strongest soldiers, like as long as you throw them in there, why do you need the strongest? Okay, tie them up, because what? They might punch the flame. The king's kind of furious with rage. And as they throw them there, they're there with their robes, their trousers, everything thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot. Look at this. It's so hot that the guards that are throwing them into the furnace because of the king's irrational, uh, chaotic fury are actually lose their life in, in the process. But King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, don't you love this verse? Weren't there three men tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. Wouldn't you just like to see that? They throw him in the fire and he looks over the balcony into the furnace. And these guys, I love that they're walking around. Can you imagine? They're kind of like... 
just walking around. He's like, and I see there were three, and now there's four. And Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening, and he calls him out, and he says, listen, servants of the Most High God, come out. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and, the, and all these governors crowded around him, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was not even a smell of fire on them. You ever been around fire? How many know it gets in your, they're like, they didn't even smell of fire at this moment. And the Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied the king's command, and rather than serve the gods, they serve their own God. Look how he changes. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or any language who say anything against the God of their, their God will be cut into pieces and turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. How many know no other God can save? in this way, okay? So it's a crazy story, amazing story. And I want to talk to you today about how, what do we do when the, in a bow-down culture, when the culture's saying, the music's playing, and the image are, is, are set up, and the, the, the uh, implication is that all of us are supposed to do that. This is, what, this is what everyone believes. This is the direction of our culture. And I want to ask you this kind of prophetic question. I think when there's fire around you and challenges, if I think this is the question. If the fire within you isn't greater than the furnace before you, then you end up bowing to what's around you. I'm just telling you, there's something about a people that have tasted so much of the goodness of God and the love of God and the kindness of God that they say, I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I just, I just know the God that saved me, transformed me, and I can't go there with you. Like, I can't go there with you. And I think increasingly in our culture, how many know we live in a bow-down culture, don't we? You better think this way. You better believe this way. Otherwise, you're this, you're that, you're the other thing. And I think God's calling for people. Here it is. Maybe just write this down. I think he's looking for people that are stand-up people in a bow-down culture. They just have a different spirit. And I think the challenge is that we have idols all around us that people are worshiping. And the calling on us as followers of Jesus is to have tasted of something so great in, uh, in the Lord that we don't need the idols around us. <laughs> That the goodness of God is what drives us and, and leads us and, and, and is before us. And these three young guys, they're probably about in their early 30s right now uh, in Daniel 3. They say, I know the whole culture's doing this, but we're not going to do what everybody's done, doing. I know the whole culture's doing this, but we're not going to do what everybody's done. It's what Jesus taught us, that wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. How many know if you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're probably doing the wrong thing? So if you, here, here's the question, Pastor, how do I know if I'm, if I'm bowing down in the world? If you never disagree with what's going on around you, you probably need to step back and look again and make sure you're not worshiping the gods of the culture around us. The gods of money and fame and, 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 and sex and confusion and chaos all around us are the, God, the idols that the culture is saying bow down to this. There's got to be something that, that, that we recognize that's greater than this. I don't know if anybody remembers. Uh, wrestling used to be different than it is today. I grew up in the 80s. Come on, WWF wrestling. Where are the people that you... I'm distinguished like that. And uh, I remember one of my favorite wrestlers was Jimmy Superfly Snuka. And uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Okay. 11 of us Neanderthals. And 
I remember we were in Philadelphia uh, for a basketball game, and in the parking lot, we saw Jimmy Superfly Snooka. And I said to my dad, that is Jimmy Superfly Snooka. And he said, we need to meet him. And I said, no, I was too embarrassed. You know, I can't go up and meet him. And my, I remember my dad across the parking lot yelling, pardon me, Superfly? I was like, I don't think that's his name. And I remember just being mortified. It ended up being him. He had pictures in his, in his briefcase there. He signed a picture. I went away with it. I still have it today. I'll show it to you one day. And uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, you know. And uh, whether it's the gods of fame that allure us or the gods of fitting in or the gods of confusion around us, there will always be the temptation to bow, but there are guys in this story who do not bow. And I think God's calling the chapel to be a church that does not bow. Amen. In fact, I love what the Bible says of, of uh, Caleb and Joshua. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, they just have a different spirit. Okay. This doesn't mean we're trying to fight everyone. It just means I have a different spirit. God's done some things in my life and I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna be a stand-up person in a bow-down culture. Here's the second thing that I want us to be is stand-up people in an out-of-control world, right? Remember how crazy the king gets in uh, Daniel 3? I mean, he heats up the furnace seven times. He has them bound <laughs> as if that will help. He has the strongest soldiers throw them in. It actually costs the, the life of the soldiers uh, that are throwing them in, and the king is just going crazy. And I think if you look at the world right now, that's what sometimes happens. If How many know we live in a pretty intolerant culture? Like, it's tolerant unless you disagree with what somebody else believes in, and then there's no tolerance for that. And, and there can be this criticism and this canceling and this fighting. And what I love about uh, these young guys in Daniel 3 is they don't scream at the king, they just calmly patiently and honestly stand before him. And I wrote this down. We don't defeat the spirit of the world with that same spirit, meaning we don't, we don't oppose the world with the same fury and chaos of the world. The Bible says in, in the New Testament that we ought to live peaceful, quiet lives, honoring the Lord, but standing up with a sense of control and self-control with a gentleness in our voice, meaning we're not shouting back. How many know you can't shout back and calm things down, Right? Have you ever, as a parent, when you got a toddler, they, a toddler's going crazy and you raise your, come on, calm down. Katie's like, I don't think that's helping. I'm like, I think it is, calm down. And I think that that can be the danger for us as Christians to raise our voice. But how many know you can stand without, without entering into the chaos of the world around you? And I love that about these guys. They just literally stand with a patience and with a, with a sense of calmness. They don't enter into a fighting fire with fire. They just patiently trust the Lord. And I think this is why, because they understand that even in the furnace, there's purpose in the furnace, okay? And we know this in the, in the Bible because the Bible tells us, how many know there's purpose in every situation of life, even when we don't understand it, Right? There's purpose in it. In fact, Genesis tells us this in Joseph's life. You intended, he says to his brothers, to harm me, but God intended for good. How many believe God is sovereign over all the circumstances of our lives, right? And you got to understand there's purpose even in the furnace. We'll see later on that this actually promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It causes the king to recognize their God is the only God. 
and it brings glory to God. So even when you don't understand what's the trouble you're going through, God's working purpose. He's weaving purpose. He's weaving meaning into the middle of it all. And I love the statement. This is one of those verses that I almost think would be good to memorize because they say if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, God is able to deliver us. How many know God is able? You need to know this. You're in a church that believes God can do anything. In fact, I think this is important because this little verse kind of gives you a picture for how to pray. God is able. God is able to deliver us. Not only is he able, look at their faith. He will. He what? He, he, he's able. He will. But then look at this. They say, but even if he does not. Let me just show you that this is what purpose does. In the middle of the furnace, it believes and trusts God, right? It walks with God even in moments. And let me show you kind of a, a pattern for prayer that happens in this verse. You could do it this way. The Lord can. Hey, friends, no matter what you brought into this room, the Lord can. Oh, I don't know. No, the Lord can. In fact, let's take a church vote this weekend. Come on. Mosley, Scott's Edition, Richmond. Here, uh, all in favor that God can do whatever he wants. Say amen, right? All right, so God can, not only can the Lord, but faith is taking another step. It's not just saying the Lord can, but it's saying the Lord will, right? How many know faith has a tone? Faith has a confidence. Faith has a, a belief in God. I learned this from my dad. My dad believed everything could happen. It just would. He just had a tone of faith, a tone of, of just belief in God, in business and life and ministry and everything. The, the Lord not only can, but the Lord will, okay? But you say, Pastor, but what if he does not? Well, this is the pattern of prayer. The Lord can, the Lord will, but guess what? Even if he does not, I'm gonna trust him. So if you're walking through, could we just be honest this week and admit there are moments we trust God and he doesn't work it out the way we wanted him to? No? You're like, not me. Every prayer, I know, no, but come on, right? Like, like what, what's he doing in all this? No, the Lord can, yeah. I'm gonna have faith the Lord will. But listen, here's what real faith is. Even if he does not, <laughs> even if he does not work in the way I want him to work, I'm going to trust him. So the Lord can, come on, the Lord will, but even if he does not, that doesn't change our faith praying from being a confident belief. And I just want to encourage us to be people who pray with faith because I've prayed with some Christians that they don't pray with faith. They're the kind of people you don't want coming to the hospital to pray with you. You know what I mean? Like, God, it must be your will to take them. Well, I'm <laughs> hoping to get up out of here. You know, like, uh, would you go home with your theology? You know what I mean? Like, so it's not praying with less faith, but it's also understanding that prayer is not a magic formula. Even if God does not, I'm trusting that God is smarter, more sovereign, that he understands it all, right? My mom, my mom used to sew and knit, and I noticed she'd knit something, and from the top you would see all this brilliant, uh, orchestrated, ordered pattern, but when you'd flip it underneath, it looked like a mess. And how many know we're looking at our lives from underneath? Oh man, I don't understand that yarn. It looks like, I don't understand. But I mean, no, there are moments that if we could see it from the top, we'd understand that even one from what from our vision doesn't look like it's got together. How I many know God's still working something brilliant, something ordered, something clear in all of it? Come on. So let's say it together. The Lord what? The Lord? The Lord? 
but even if he, come on, one more time, the Lord, the Lord, but even if he does. Then there's this great part of the story. If you don't ever see the Bible as funny, you need to see this verse. I just think it's funny. So the king's like, hey, I thought we threw three guys in, and they were tied up, and I love how they answer, certainly. And he says, well, there's a problem then, because we threw three guys in, and now there are four guys walking around. And not only that, they threw them in, tied up, and they're what? Walking around the fire, unbound. It's actually interesting to me, if you read the verses, their coat didn't burn. They didn't smell like fire. The only thing that burned is the, um, the ropes that they used to tie them. I just wondered if God would encourage us with this this weekend, that sometimes the fire, the only thing God uses the fire to burn is the things that bind us, right? How many know he has purpose to shape us? Pat, I wish today I had a better message than, I wish I could preach like the guy on TV, if you just love God, you'll never have a problem. You'll never walk in a fire, you know, like that whole thing. But how many know sometimes he walks us through the fire because he wants to unbind us from some things that are, that are holding on, because they want to, first Peter calls them a fiery trial, right? The, the, you know, the purification process of gold where it's heated up so that the impurities and the dross can be melted off of that gold so that it can come forth as pure gold. And I think the only thing that God sometimes burns in our life in the fire is the things that have been holding on to us and the things that have been binding us, and we just trust him to, I wish God could teach us as much in blessing, but how many know he sometimes teaches us things in brokenness and in challenge and in difficulty in fact even in the past year in my own life uh, 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 you know the loss of Katie's dad and sickness and pain the greatest things our church has done in the last year happened in the moments that I felt the most broken like the most like man I'm just walking through a fire there are Sundays I would drive here in the last year that I would think maybe maybe I shouldn't preach it I don't feel like I got it man I don't feel really spiritual have you ever felt that way is it okay to say I'll only tell the 8 a.m. that okay but but in the middle of how many know in the middle of the fire God takes some things off of us and changes us on the inside. And that's what purpose does. It not only frees us, but look at this here. Purpose changes us, okay? Look at Nebuchadnezzar. He says, you've got to bow in and worship this image. But I absolutely love that he then says, praise be to the God. He recognizes their God. And he says, now everybody has to get with the program and serve Daniel, or serve these guys, gods. And he's literally saying, he then promotes them to be uh, even bigger leaders in the community. Here's, here's what I see amazing. Not only does purpose change us, purpose changes others. The king now sees the greatness of God through the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many know when we're walking through fire, people are watching? How many know when we're walking through suffering, people are watching? How many know when we're walking through challenges, people are watching? And they're trying to say, hey, I know you go to church and I know you have a chapel bumper sticker, but now you're walking through difficulty. And now I want to see how faithful God is going to be in your life. You know, I want to see, I had a, I'll tell this story. Um, maybe I won't tell it in the other services, but um, somebody ran over my neighbor's sprinkler in the cul-de-sac. Okay. And my neighbor thinks it was somebody that was coming to my house for small group. 
And I don't think it was somebody who came from my house for small groups. So I had this moment where he tried to give me this bill for his sprinkler head. He said, this is somebody who came to your group. And I said, well, what was the car that ran over it? And he said, well, I didn't take a picture of it. And I said, well, how do you know it's my group instead of their group? And my wife was standing next to me, and she just slowly pulled on my pant, my back pocket. Has anybody ever had that happen? Why should I pay for your sprinkler head? I don't think it was my thing, and I feel this. And I said, you know what? I would be most happy. I don't know if it was my guy or not, but I will tell you what, just instead of arguing with you here today, give me the bill. I didn't know it was gonna be so much, but you know what I mean. How many know people are watching the way we respond to fire, heat, obstacles, challenges, uh, uh, opposition around us? And I love the idea that because of the way they make it through the fire. Hey, Chapel, one of the ways we honor God is when we honor God in bad times. I wish it was just worshiping on the mountain, but sometimes it's honoring him in the valley and in the challenges and in the places he seems far away and in the middle of the furnace. The king never saw the greatness of these guys' gods through their goodness in, in good days. He only saw the greatness of their God when they walked with him in the middle of fire. And there's something about trusting God that God uses to not only influence the world around us, but to transform our lives, but to transform. Your kids are watching when you suffer. Your brother, your sister, your parents, your neighbors, your community. Have you ever just watched somebody walk through struggles and they were so strong it inspired you? Anybody? And that's what these guys do. In the middle of the furnace, they keep trusting God. And I love that he says, weren't there three men there? And he says, look, I see four men walking around. And the fourth one looks like a what? Somebody, a son of the gods. Theologians debate if this is an angel in the furnace with them or a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. In the Old Testament, that's called a Christophany when Christ appears early and uh, but um, I, I probably lean towards the second. I think in the middle of the furnace, Jesus showed up and walked with them. <laughs> but we have this old, it, this, this verse, I can't tell you that, Katie will laugh at this. There is an old song when I was a kid that my parents used to listen to about this verse. And they would sing all the way through the song and then the narrator would stop and they would tell this little story and it was kind of cheesy, but can I tell you it today? Is that okay? They, would, they said, the king, I remember hearing the preacher say on the tape, the king was bound and determined. You know what I mean? He had the raspy voice, you know, that they were going to throw him in the furnace, you know, and he tells the whole story of how they tie him up and throw him in. And then he tells the whole story of the king standing up from his throne. It's very dramatic. I can't do it. And walking over to the edge of the, of the balcony and looking down. And he tells the story. Wait, he starts counting, you know, one. Yep, Shadrach. And then the guy on the piano goes, it's Shadrach. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> and he goes, oh, yep, two. It's Meshach. And the piano player goes, it's Meshach. It's very dramatic. And I see the third guy there, Abednego. It's Abednego. One, two, three, four. And he tells the story. Oh, who's the fourth? And they do, mm-hmm. and the guy on the piano goes, mm-hmm. the fourth one looks like it. I'm just here to tell you this. When we walk through the fire, Jesus walks through the fire with us. Anybody grateful for that? That when we're put in the furnace, 
When we're put in the furnace for our faithfulness, we'll never walk alone. Isaiah 43, when you walk through the waters and the fire, he will be with you. The promise of Jesus, his last words in Matthew 28, to the ends of the earth, he'll go and he'll never leave us or forsake us. And I love the idea that they're walking through the fire unbound. And the interesting thing is there's a fourth man there walking with them and it's and it's Jesus. And I, I just, it reminded me of this verse in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, stand up for me against the world's opinion and I'll stand up for you in front of my father in heaven and I want to just give you the comfort here today chapel when we stand for God do you know Jesus actually stands with us this is interesting theological position because the Bible says in Colossians 3 that Christ is when he after he finished on the cross and resurrection he sat down at the right hand of God okay so that's where he is in a throne and yet there are some times in the New Testament that we see Jesus not sitting but standing. And one of the maybe most famous ones is early in the infancy of the early church. There's a man named Stephen who was preaching the gospel and they were told him, they told him to shut up and stop preaching or he'd lose his life. But the Bible says that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. So he kept preaching and they stoned him, which means he, Stephen would be the first Christian martyr, which means he died for his faith. And yet in that moment, as they're throwing rocks at him and life is leaving his body, Stephen looked up and saw the glory of God. And tell me what Jesus was doing. He was what? He was standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right. I just, I just wrote it this way this weekend. When I stand for God, Jesus stands with me. Aren't you glad we don't stand alone? <laughs> like when, when I stand, Jesus stands with me and what these three guys do in the furnace is they just stand for God when it's inconvenient and when it's no one else is doing it and the music starts and the flute and the harp and the zither (laughs) and yet there's three guys that say listen I know I know this is the time to bow but we can't bow before this image of gold King Nebuchadnezzar because the God we serve is different than the gods of this world. And we're just going to humbly, patiently, but boldly stand for him. I want to be a church that humbly, patiently, and boldly stands for God in a bow-down world. Anybody want to be that? Humbly, patiently, boldly stands for God in a bow-down world. And so God today, that's our heart as a church, as a chapel. God, our heart is to be people that stand for you, God. Forgive us when we just fall in line with the culture around us and do what they say. And God, would you give us wisdom to be a stand-up church? <laughs> and God, give us the faith that in the fire, you, Jesus, are standing with you, with us. I pray for every young person, every older person, every man, and woman, boy, girl in this house, oh God, that there would still be a group of people in Richmond, Virginia, that would not bow to the culture around us, that would not bow to the teachings of the world around us, but would be people that stand for you. Because Jesus, you are the only one worthy of worship. Nebuchadnezzar had erected this statue 90 feet tall and said, worship this. 
but these three men said there's only one who's worthy of all worship, honor, and praise. How many know there's only one who's worthy of all worship, honor, and praise? And the only way to stand against the furnace is when there's a fire of worship in us for a God that's not the gods of this world. And I wonder if we could just take a second and respond this weekend just before we leave by saying, God, would you give us your strength? Would you give us your strength? Would you empower us to worship you and to honor you. Let's stand together.